How's it going, Matt? How are you doing? I'm doing okay, I think. Yeah, sort of, yeah. I'm really far behind on everything that I need to do. But but here's the thing. That's because I have spent the entirety of the week a wandering neath a clear blue sky, mm-hmm. um, just going on walks almost every day of the week, mm. trying to build up my trying to build up my uh, sort of core to just, so that I can actually do a physical job when we get back to work, um, rather than <laughs> rather than just you know falling over after the first shift like I did after the first lockdown. I, oh man, I'm never feeling so. I'm. I've, I feel so unfit. It's ridiculous. I'm just like, I went on like two massive walks today. I was like, this is just this is huge. I've not walked this far in ages. And coincidentally, on the same day, I started wearing a um, a little thingy watch, like a you know a smart Fitbit kind of style thing. And I thought, yeah. wow, two massive walks. I wonder how many steps that is. Let me just check. <laughs> It was. It wasn't even twelve thousand. It was eleven <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, that's not even that far. Oh, it's like three and a half miles. So, oh well. Yeah. Um, I I thought I tied myself out. I mean, Sheffield's hilly, right? <laughs> so, like three and a half very, miles. Yeah, it does well. count. It does count for more for sure. Um, it depends where you go. Like last week, we did a. Um, uh, we did the part at least part of the five years walk was you know like like around the um around the center of town, just mm-hmm. in and around the the, uh, the rivers and such. And um, it was great, but I got back and I couldn't move. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so I decided, okay, this, something has to change here, right? Like something, I, I've got to start getting used to it. So then like later that week, I did a, a switch, uh, the ring fit. I got back onto mm-hmm. that for the first time since we moved, which uh, for those of you who, who don't know my previous few months of life in and out um that is like <laughs> that is like what uh three months now i think i've, I've been living in this house i can't believe it um and yeah so uh like i i felt sick after doing that um so like just i was that exhausted i i, I even it even asks you right whether you want to turn it down whether you want to turn the difficulty down because it's like it's been a little while since you last played so do you want to turn it down Oh no! Of course I don't. No. <laughs> Why well, would I do I that? I said yes. I said oh. yes, but then I I, I didn't even say. It, it then asks you, do you want to turn it down a bit or turn it down a lot? And of course I said a, a bit, a bit. I'm not. I'm not. What am I? Right? What am I? What did you imagine? It's been like six months. It has been six months. Do you think it's been like six months since I tried or or not? Yeah, I haven't done anything in six months. Um, and uh, of course that that eventually meant that I was absolutely exhausted doing every single exercise. Felt ill afterwards, had a migraine for the rest of the day. Damn. And then, but then this week I managed two walks. So it's sort of, it's I'm on an upward trend, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know what? It's good. Oh, oh, hello, everybody that's jumped on in chat. Evening, B-Rude Bertie, how's it going? Dolp Girl, aka Gina, woo, Sheffield is great. Sheffield is great. Are you from Sheffield? Sheffield is great. You- or is it just 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 thinking of it as the Peak District town, and uh, that everyone loves? You know who doesn't think Sheffield is great? John Lewis. But they can do one. We didn't want them anyway. Um... We we do want them. We do. <laughs> we do. Then given if if you if you if you going by the number of petitions to keep John Lewis in Sheffield, we do. We I do suppose. want them. <laughs> 
I suppose. There has been um, one of my favourite things about the whole John Lewis talk was that the uh, somebody tweeted at the museum saying, why can't the museum just, you know, take over the five storey John Lewis building, biggest, like, you know, thingy space in the city centre. And you know what? Why not? Why the fuck? I, I want to do it. I, I want to take... Let's do it. I want to take the museum to into John Lewis. I just want to, you know, I'll, I'll take one floor. I'll take one of the five. Mm. Um, I think it'd be great. How good would that be to have an arcade, right? City centre. I know we're basically city centre with the museum anyway, but it'd yeah. be even better. So It would be. It would be better. Like, you'd have so much floor space. It's huge, that place. I, I, I Honestly, and I say this jokingly, but also, I'm not. And if anybody from the Sheffield City Council is listening... I'm the, I am the person you need to speak to. Like we can, we can make this work. So this is a direct appeal. Um, so, anyway, um, so yeah, how's we? We've not been. We've not done this for a couple of weeks. We've not done this since uh, since early March. Oh, sorry, my cat has just just turned up. Is he? Oh. No, I think she's. I think she's shy of the camera, but she's loud. Um. So she just stood outside the door <laughs> saying, "What are you doing?" Um, but uh, but but yeah, we've not done this for a couple of weeks. So how, how's your how's your past three weeks been? Apart from apart it's... from actually knackering yourself out. Well, that mainly, you know, um, basically that uh, and uh, kind of a a, a a roller coaster of 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 nothing. It's it's like. Weirdly, health has been my like number one um, mm-hmm. thing, like you know, getting back into back back into shape. But I'm just I'm just now you can see me looking up to the side. I'm just looking at my like played list, my games, and all all, all that th- kind of thing. I'm trying to figure out what I've spent the last three weeks doing. You know, like <laughs> have I been playing a lot of games and stuff? Um, it's the I same mean, thing we've all been doing. Not much, right? Yeah, well, we, I, I, it's generous to call what I've been doing wide gaming, I think, which is essentially what I've been doing is hovering over a game for a little bit, kind of looking at the achievements on Steam or whatever, or mm-hmm. picking up a game and booting it up and then sort of going, yeah, no, no. No, I'm not that, not, not interested in this. I could, I could do without it. I can't, I can't be bothered getting into this. That sounds like um, restless gaming. Yes, very much restless gaming. I, I'm, I'm just ready to do more stuff. And I suppose in a way, being able to go on walks, I've been able to see more of my friends, mm-hmm. um, which has been absolutely lovely. It's been just tremendously fulfilling to see people um, more frequently than like... Th- like So previous to this, like my um, meetings with people have been like this show... Mm-hmm. is seeing my friends uh i have a role-playing game over zoom or discord on the tuesdays um and then every now and again i'll play sea of thieves with people uh, or valheim with people and we'll we'll kind of like uh hook up via via the internet that way and that was my entire social life so it's been absolutely amazing to sort of meet up with one people one person at a time sort of like uh, wander around, went all the way out to Norfolk Park, which is a park I haven't in, in Sheffield. I've lived in Sheffield almost all my life. Like I, I, I was born here, still live here, and um, also, but but I you know moved around to the UK um, for the for the rest of it. But like, I've never been to Norfolk Park somehow. Um, what? That was, it's that gorgeous. Was, that was one of my walks today. That was that was seven thousand hmm. steps of my eleven thousand. <laughs> beautiful place, absolutely beautiful. Hmm. Um, but yeah, um, I've just sort of spent it. Uh, <laughs> I got got into a big, a deep hole of uh, like lyrical analysis. I've gotten really, really into um, 
the the artist Joanna Newsom, if nobody, if anyone's ever heard of her, um, uh, just like it, she was kind of very famous around 2005. Um, but she's a harpist, does really, really intricate lyrics and poetry. Um, and um, I'm, I'm the sort of person who will get into an album and then just destroy it, completely consume it, like um, uh, listen to it over and over again until there's nothing left to consume. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and unfortunately, a bit of more that I can chew with just one of these albums because they are like so dense in terms of like, you know how... I guess I guess the best way to describe it is like sitting an English lit paper. You know, mm. you're sort of like you're, you're trying to revise for it, seeing all these different ways of of analyzing it and all that kind of thing. And I'm I'm thrilled with that. I'm having a great time, but um, it it makes me a tremendously boring person because all I can think about is is these tiny fiddly rhymes and and, and meaning structures and stuff. It's, it's wild. Wow. I mean, yeah, that is a little bit boring, but I kind of like it. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like oh, I don't know the music. I'm just imagining some Alanis Morissette kind of stuff, and it's just like, going, oh, wow, yeah. I can just imagine you sat on a park, a Norfolk park at night, just <laughs> looking out over Sheffield, looking yeah. over Sheffield, looking at all the little lights and skyscrapers, but nobody's there because nobody's actually been in the skyscrapers for very long. Um, yeah. But uh, Beat Roberti says, um, I want. Uh, it's, it talks about the NVM and about the tower block opposite outside. Is this something to do with King's Tower, the new tallest building in Sheffield, actually, um, that has, has recently started being built? Um, well, I think they're demolishing the old decrepit Primark and Castlegate and they're turning it into mm. a massive skyscraper. Should be exciting. As the next door neighbours to that, I'm not too um, happy about it. But hey, it'll be done in three years' time, three or four years' time, and it'll look great. Um yeah, and also, like, how are they going to get literally anything to that site because it is in one of the tightest roads that's always jam-packed with, with traffic? Yeah. <laughs> like, I... it's, got a, it's got a tram line on one side and an incredibly crammed-in uh, crossing, like, pedestrian crossing on the other. Um, and I just wonder how on earth they're getting building materials to that location. Yeah, and uh, in two years, they said they want to get, get it built by. I mean, the demolish, demolition takes a little bit longer, but... Yeah, like, I have no idea. Wild. Forty stories is going to be, so it's going to be a tall one, um, but it should be good. Um, Dolpgo said, "Oh, not been to that part of town in years. Might be worth checking out. You got a nice, friendly video game museum, but you've actually got a video game bar as well with Meltdown and uh, mm-hmm. a little video game sh- video game cafe called Extra Life Gaming Cafe that are down there now. That I do want to give a quick shout out for to or shout out to because they are currently holding some of our museum's free." gift packs well their activity packs um are basically a bunch of kind of written materials a free pen a free stickers and some stuff that if you go down to extra life you can go pick up and it's designed for like kids and families that are looking for something to do whilst it's the easter holidays um and it is the easter holidays it's good friday i called it get good friday um but because i couldn't think of anything else to say (laughs) um but i mean it's like it's a it's a four-day weekend right so i was going to ask kind of what you're playing what are you playing over this weekend or is it still going to be a a procrastinate gaming style thing a restless looking at lots of other stuff but not settling in on something or do you have one thing in mind that you think i'm doing that because i think i do and i think mine I, i i'm like i've gotten i spoke about this in the last last show but i've gotten like fully knee deep into Final Fantasy fourteen again, which is an MMO, which are really bad for you because like you just you can't think about anything else. And I'm playing other games, <laughs> and I'm thinking, ah, I could be doing, I could be leveling playing this. Um, so I, but I've gotten really into that. It's um, like at the moment I'm about 
300 hours deep on it, um, if not more. And But it's just getting really good. And it's like, I, I spoke about this before, it's, it's like I'm at the point of it now where I'm four expansions in or three expansions in to the story that is 300 hours of pure story gameplay, right? Not really doing mm. much outside of the storyline. It's that long. But I've become so emotionally attached. It's like settling into a really big kind of novel. Or I'm imagining like a soap, right? So when people watch EastEnders, right? And, you know, like, uh, I'm trying to think of an EastEnders character. Ian Beale, like, suddenly has an accent. I think no one likes Ian Beale. So, I don't know. Do they not? So what, <laughs> what's a long-running soap character? I don't know. But a long-running soap character, Phil Mitchell, um, has, like, <laughs> has an accident. And people, like, feel, oh, my God, what is going to happen? I need to watch the next episode, which is tomorrow or the day after, right? And it, like, it becomes, yeah. like, part of the fabric of, kind of, their current moment. Um, I'm, I'm really feeling like that with this game, which is uh, the highest praise I think I can give it in that it's, kind of, embedded itself that much. Or well, it's the story of the game, anyway. Um, not necessarily the gameplay itself, but actually just the, the storyline has embedded it in, in, in my life so much. And I've got a new... I, I, I've also mentioned this before, um, but I have a PlayStation 5. Ha ha ha. I managed to get myself hands... <laughs> uh, I managed to get my hands on a PlayStation 5, and I'm just playing old PS4 games on it, including <laughs> Final Fantasy fourteen. That's all I'm playing on it. Um, but like, I've got, I have got a couple of nice, fancy PlayStation 5 games, um, but I'm like, nah. I'll just play Final Fantasy fourteen. So, so mm. yeah, so yeah, that's what I'm doing. Uh, 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 I need to like twirl my mustache or some shit, or I don't know, <laughs> feel particularly kind of up myself. Um, but <laughs> it's it's amazing how um, and MMOs are really good at doing this. Um, they can absolutely like recontextualizing characters because you feel like you live in that world so often. Mm bringing constant consistent characters between places that you feel like you have almost organically moved between mm-hmm. um you know because the world is co is coherent in between them barring you know elder scrolls online um the uh just throwing a little bit of shade there um <laughs> the, good job yeah. jay's not here in fact well, i should just clarify there's a picture of jim carrey on the screen um purely <laughs> as a replacement for jade um, wasn't sure she was going to make it. She was like, "Guys, it's Good Friday. I'm going out getting drunk with people for the first time in six months. Do I have to come on?" Yep. And we were like, "Nah, <laughs> Go, do, do what you want to do. Like, if you want to jump on later, you can do." So Jade's not here, but uh, we've got Jim Carrey instead. So we've got great. Robotnik. Yeah, yeah. it's it's uh, it's fine. You know, normally we have Jade, the Sonic fan. Now we've got Robotnik, the Sonic not fan. I, um, I chose it particularly because I think when I finally get to go to the hairdressers, that's the haircut I'm going to ask for. <laughs> yeah. <It's> just, <laughs> unironically, I think his hair is just absolutely on fire in that movie. So. <laughs> it's great. It's, he's good in that. Um, I I liked the Sonic movie in many in many respects. In many respects, it was terrible, but I I, I enjoyed it early mm-hmm. on in lockdown. Um, anyway, yeah. Um, it's a bit like. It, Final Fantasy XIV appears to be the, what everyone cool is playing right now. Like my Twitter is on fire with people who are just getting into it um, and and sort of just loving it and, and and loving every aspect of it. So I don't know what that says. Um, I, I've heard other people saying that they like similar similar things about Sea of Thieves, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which you know, Sea of Thieves is in, is, is doing interesting things. They're doing some very um, they're being very subtle with their storytelling recently actually um they keep tweeting out these like skeleton runes that that um the community has only assembled the meanings for about uh sort of 
six or seven out of 12 of them, like Ooh. contextually in the game. Like, so like, they're yeah, we've got like, to kind of decode them. So this is like ARG metagaming kind of stuff going on. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. really difficult stuff. Oh, I like that. Yeah, so people are trying to figure out the... the, the um, just by what they look like, what what symbols they look like, because they're very kind of hieroglyphic mm-hmm. uh, in nature. So it's kind of it's it's interesting to try and figure out what's coming on. There's the whole glitter beard thing. Yes, as Doc Girl's saying in the um, uh, in the uh, chat. Um, there's there's new pirates and uh, a bunch of kind of I haven't even got through that yet. Um, and uh, it's it's all kicking off basically. It, it appears that big changes are afoot. And we don't really quite know what what it is that's um, that's going to happen. But um, yeah, uh, everyone's trying to figure it out. And uh, mainly, though, speaking of subtle storytelling and and kind of um, mm-hmm. uh, an ARG uh, laden games, the new the thing that's really taken me for the past few few days is the new DLC for Binding of Isaac uh rebirth um there's a new one there is a new one it's the final one in fact it was they said it was the final one last time when they released afterbirth plus mm-hmm. um but then the community started doing its community thing which is to say making mods so good that they made the game so so much better that it was inconceivable that this game did not play with them mm-hmm. so they basically just decided um, to implement them uh, to the base game, including basically like a take on um, a bunch of like it, the animation is like a better. Qual- I'm not joking. It's a better quality of animation than the base game. It is um, like like the ideas are on par absolutely with the base game. It is about ten times harder. I haven't got past like the second level mm-hmm. yet in this new in this new version. They've rebounced the whole thing, um, and it's just like a, this wild overhaul of the game um, that was already an amazing and, and, and incredibly deep game with tons and tons of stuff to find out and do and that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, this, we believe, is the last one because it's just like everything that you can possibly imagine this game can do is now being done. Like, there's a character that you like that is actually two characters, and they go around together. But like, so if you imagine, if you're not playing Binding of Isaac, just imagine a Zelda dungeon, right? From mm-hmm. the old, like from Link to the Past or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, with the same sort of thing of like bombs, you bomb cracked walls, you got to pay attention to your surroundings and all that kind of thing. Um, uh, except you're firing tears at people instead of um, hitting them with a sword. Yeah. And um, the, yeah, there's a, like a new character where you're, you're kind of controlling two characters at the same time. They both... They both sort of like obey your instructions. So when you press Waz, they both go right, both go up, both go left. But they can each individually get caught on something, mm-hmm. or you can hold control and only move one of them at a time. Like the Mario cherries. Can... Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and so like, and they individually pick up upgrades separately. So like one of them starts with a lot of damage but no health. One of them starts with a lot of health but no but no damage. And you can sort of like try to balance them out, or you can try and use one as a glass cannon whilst blocking shots with the other one. There's loads of stuff. It's really really complicated and sort of like impo- I'm not even I haven't even unlocked them. Not good enough. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> there's there's so much to this game. I it's it will go down. I think I think Binding of Isaac Rebirth will go down as one of like the best games uh, in my on my like list of top 10 games of all time 
all the time. In, in my opinion. They have, uh, also, it's like going on, keeping on the ARG and metagaming uh, theme, didn't Binding of Isaac have one of the, like, the coolest and most in-depth ARGs alongside the game? When it Was it when it first came out or the first DLC it, came out as well? Yeah, it really, really did. Like it was, um, God, what was it? it? It was sort of like there were, there were scraps of paper or scraps of, on the back of a photograph that you could find in game that if you... You went into a sacrifice room, which is just a room, an empty room with spikes in the middle. Mm -hmm. And if you walked onto that thing and killed yourself on those spikes, then it would give you a flash of a little clue that eventually could be compiled together into, um, like, they ended up being compiled into into grid references and, and, and like, you know, a location on, on Earth. And then, you know, people were, like, digging up, digging holes, and they found, like, a... a, a buried plush isaac doll and it had like information on the back of it and it unlocked a whole bunch of stuff it was absolutely wild yeah um how you read through like you had to i think you had to find an image that then gave you a phone number that had a voicemail when you called it that you then had to figure out there were missing bits in the voicemail that you had to use the game to figure out what those missing bits were and then somebody they wrote an article about PC Gamer wrote an article about it and asked the creator for a comment and he replied, Bring a shovel, which is great. <laughs> then, yes. um, then they found a weird poster in Santa Cruz. Um that they had to yeah, and and then and then and then they found yeah, they found a little a little doll, a little horrible doll that was in Santa Anna. Wait, hang on, sorry. So the GPS coordinates they found GPS coordinates. This led to a building in Santa Anna with the building number one oh nine. The developers continue to drop Twitter hints about digging and looking for loose changed, but warned people not to do anything stupid or illegal. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, Reddit users went on an expedition to the coordinates, bringing a shovel and, pound a and found a pile of change on the ground, digging where the change was revealed, uh, uh, revealed a buried greed statue with writing on it. Um, then if you used the writing on the statue, you found a Twitter page that you could then log into with the password Isaac is dead. And yeah, and then you will not greed in the game. Like, imagine someone leaving a pile of change on the ground and saying, that won't go anywhere. I'm going to go now. Hopefully someone figures that out. That's bonkers. It's crazy. And, and greed, just so you know, greed, I, I, whether they mean the, the character or the mode, because the greed mode was a full third of the game at this point right there was like normal mode hard mode and then a completely separate like half of the game that could be played which was greed mode so it was it was pretty um it was it's a pretty big part of the game to lock behind an ARG. that's bonkers that's so cool so cool um other things i kind of wanted to give a quick shout out as to what i uh, what i got done this past past week um and the reason i'm so tired actually um i'm absolutely knackered and i'm really looking forward to this five-day weekend is because i got to do a really cool thing this past week called games careers week which was a big yeah national um games careers celebration event festival thingy my bob um it was the first kind of first kind of the year we've done it we've had this idea and we teamed up with another couple of um games education organizations um called intergames and grads and games and basically reached out to a lot of educators and a lot of um game studios and said let's celebrate pathways into games because at the moment a lot of people think oh i have to go to university and study game programming 
and then hopefully I get a job out of when I come out of the end of that degree. And it's really not the case. Mm-hmm. And that also that is an incredibly limited. Um, well, it's incredibly um, it's a massive privilege to be able to do that, right? And that 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 cuts off a lot of people that could otherwise be get into games. Um, um through other ways so as a, as you know as a, as, a, as a strong part of that that's why the games kind of industry isn't really diverse um yes. or at least not yeah. no, nowhere near as it should be so so yeah so we did games careers week and we just kind of wanted to chat about lots of different pathways and did lots of different events and lots of games companies got involved like we had ubisoft may put on a few events uh ea put on some events um end dreams oh who else lots of people and it had a nice fancy fancy new website um Sumo Digital. In fact, that's what I was doing this time last week. So the reason we did the podcast. Um, Square, yes, Square Enix did do events. Yes, they did. Um, Square Enix did an event about game... Um, what was it? It was about... why was it, did Square, Square Enix did the one that was why were game game credits so long? Or marketing analytics? I can't remember. They did some, they did some cool events. Um, so... So yeah, so that was that was that was just a really cool event, uh, a really cool week, really really crazy busy. We did an event with Sumo. Uh, we did two events with Sumo, um, and I got to interview some like young game designers about what their jobs were, and I got to ask them lots of questions that we got submitted. Um, Leah, who's in the chat, also did an event with um, some women programmers as well about um, from the Sheffield Women in Computing Society. That was that was really cool. So. Yeah, good event. Really tiring, um, but yeah, I, I I can imagine. I like the fact that you've been like off the off the radar for mm. like you've been like off grid for like a week and a half because I I imagine has been like almost entirely because you have been like you. I imagine that both you and you and Leah have done like just an incredible amount of work for it. It's it's just been like. Like we've had time off because well when you work at home like i am not there sat at my computer all day every day you know and i do sometimes go mm. it's five o'clock i need to clock off and i do clock off but then like you just i suppose when 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 stuff is kind of um stressful or relatively intense um and pressurized right is that you just really lack the mental energy to think about anything and yeah. that's that's kind of that's definitely been the case for a little bit um properly revitalized once the sun came out don't get me wrong i had a barbecue on tuesday my first barbecue of the year oh, nice. fantastic in my garden i have a garden now oh my god thank god um, <laughs> not a garden in so many years decades um so that was that was that was great um but yeah just just it, it was just the mental energy just to kind of check in on things when normally you would and you just you lose your routine right and if you're not mm working you are recovering um and there's that middle ground where you're socializing and you're being online and stuff like that that i was just i was just like i'm cutting that out um yeah <laughs> sometimes especially if you like the hard at certain points that becomes a secondary a secondary need doesn't it like you you the recovery but it comes first mm. um absolutely but yeah but yeah but it's it it, it it kind of well it's the last day was technically today the website is going to be up all year round and i'm going to be kind of focusing on building the website i've already chatted to a few um people i've got some really cool was it you yeah ubisoft made some really cool um videos actually that i need to kind of upload onto there all about kind of ways into games which should be really cool um so if you are interested in getting a job in games go on the games careers week website i've thrown so much stuff in there so many kind of resources and kind of ways to get into games and kind of things or and it's all free as well i should say um you don't even need to well you can log into the to the to the website um 
There's not a reasons log into the website at the moment because it was built around the event functionality and there are no more events, at least not yet. Um, but yeah, oh, there we go. Hey, Nightbot. Nightbot is already set up for Games Careers Week. Oh, because it was it was set up for last week. Oh, fantastic. Awesome. Thanks, that's Leo. Great. Um, so yeah, that's gamescareersweek.org. It's... Um, it's a it's a cool website. Like I said, I put, I put a lot of work into it. I, I I haven't put most work into it. That was definitely goes to kind of um, Heritage Creative who helped us build the website. They did amazing work. But um, but yeah, it's good. Um, other kind of things that are, oh, one thing I did kind of wanted to chat about that I was like, oh, put me on a pedestal. I want to talk about this because um, it's been a, a bit part of the news this week when I have been checking in online. Um, it's lots of stuff around game preservation. Um, so I, I don't know if you know Matt, but Mario died on march 31st he did yeah he was summarily executed wasn't he yeah yeah that's pretty great yeah um, mario doesn't exist anymore <laughs> he's, he's he's dead he's gonna be haunting luigi for the next few games i assume well I, i'm i'm fine with that like remember when they did a year of luigi a couple of years back and it was just all luigi i i still say like when when someone when someone says like oh i'm i'm you know i'm sorry i'm gonna have to uh skip this you know meeting or whatever or, or sorry i'm i'm uh uh i don't know just whatever whenever anyone says sorry i, I always reply with in this the year of luigi <laughs> still like i don't every year for me is the year of luigi yeah he's the best he's the best um, so <laughs> fine it's the, it's the luigi franchise from now on mario's had his 35 years ant and deck did a yeah uh, did, a, did an april fools about that they said oh he always said that Ant would have the start of the, the name for the first 30 years, and then I'd have the rest. So they changed the name to Deck and Ant, which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> That's pretty like, fun, yeah. Um, I, I do I do think Luigi should be the main character from now on. I think, yeah, yeah give give Luigi 35 years. Like, I'm a, I have been, and always have been, I am and always have been a, uh, a, a player too at heart, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. uh, and, and so even... Are you the younger sibling? Uh, is that is that? I mean, I I am a younger sibling. You know, I'm I'm a middle sibling, but but the third one came ten years after me. So I'm, <laughs> we we sort of like uh, I had a long time as a as the as the younger one, and um, yeah, no, I would be happy to play even Mario as a ghost. What like almost like uh, you remember you remember in the Wind Waker when you could control like the tingle um, thing with a Game Boy Advance. Uh, That's cool. like when, um, so I don't know if, if people probably don't know this, but like there was a whole like cross console connection thing where if you had the god, was it a Wii or was it? Well, I imagine it was linked up to the GameCube, but um, you basically would if you had a Game Boy Advance and, and you had like some other Zelda game, mm -hmm. you could essentially connect, connect that up with a controller and lob bombs and stuff as tingle like following around like a little spirit following around link on on his hijinks across across the oceans um and uh yeah i think mario should be re relegated to that kind of like the stars you know where when you uh, in mario galaxy you could like the second player could kind of fire stars at things when when mario was popping around um that's mario's job now is to be the kind of assist the little, the little, uh, assisted little spectral assistant. So, so the Luigi can be constantly haunted <laughs> by his brother, um, and that's his, that's his superpower. You I know, like Mario's got mushrooms. Luigi's got haunting. I think that's a good way to take. That's a good way to take the Mario franchise in future. Um, are you concerned about about Nintendo's 
I don't know, like um, laissez-faire attitude to preservation, though, to the fact that, oh, they are going to kill this game, kill off Mario, and then not say anything about what they want to do with it afterwards. Apparently, it's been reported that it was a financial thing. They just went, right, we'll get more sales. And it did, because it boosted 270% in the last week before it went off sale, um, which is crazy. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. Nintendo is the master of artificial scarcity yeah um they've never produced in the they, they they've not in the in the last 20 years produced a, a console that um there was enough of at launch and it was almost and it's always almost entirely been because they didn't they didn't produce enough of it on purpose mm-hmm. because it it drives up conversations about oh i can't get one this is what my 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 kid wants for christmas this is what we want to get mm-hmm. um it's a to- toy companies have been doing it for years and nintendo that nintendo still use that strategy and um when you're talking about media when you're talking about art it's not there's this this same conversation right about um nfts you know mm-hmm. non-fungible mm-hmm. transactions or whatever the things are and it's like I don't, I don't know much about that apart from that it's incredibly um damaging to the environment and it is kind of in my opinion against the spirit of art and i'm sure you'll agree on that one um which is to say to create something that is um inherently and irrevocably exclusive Mm -hmm. is kind of a, a denial of the the intent of art which is to share a feeling um, uh, to share an idea or to share a feeling, and um, I think that in in the case of Mario and the case and, and in the case of like Nintendo, the way that Nintendo used that and used those immediate kind of uh, cutoffs that, that stop people from um, preserving stuff, and and in addition, you know, uh, with one hand doing that, and to with the other hand to be re- re-releasing games using crowdsourced yeah roms uh yeah right? they're, they're, they're um, totally stolen like if you look at the the nez and snes mini like those are they, 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 the roms have been downloaded from the internet <laughs> illegally yeah. and then nintendo yeah. just went well they are ours anyway so we're allowed to use them they are, <laughs> yeah sure. there's nothing we can't do with these <laughs> why not but why <laughs> don't you have the original come on um, <laughs> it's funny you say that about a kind of uh, artificial scarcity with nintendo because actually that is a historically a very very long thing and arguably the reason why games like mario and zelda um and star fox are still so beloved to this day because they've been doing it since the nes days um and actually back on the the nintendo entertainment system the original kind of cartridges that games had to come on um mm-hmm. nintendo owned like the patent for that of course they did they know how to make the kind of the, the particular cartridges that go into the console um yeah and they actually uh slowed down shipments to third-party manufacturers of games um, and made sure that their first-party games, though, there were lots and lots of copies of. So when you've got a parent going into the, the, the store to buy themselves a Nintendo and they want to pick up an extra game, well, there's lots of copies of Mario and Zelda, but this third-party game, no matter how good it was, might not be there because they weren't able to make enough. So that's actually oh, where that's actually where it first started, would you believe it? Um, well, I say first started. Nintendo's been around for hundreds of years, so they probably did it way before then. Um <laughs> But yeah, they've uh, they're quite kind of sketchy about that. Sony too, obviously, have been in the kind of the preservation bad books um, for the past. 
past past few weeks because they announced that the PlayStation Store is closing, and uh, at least for the PlayStation Three, Vita, and PSP, which is a real shame. Mm. And like, I I, mm, I got yeah. out my PSP and my PS Vita just this, just this past week, just to kind of I don't know say goodbye. <laughs> Am I saying goodbye? <laughs> I don't know. Um, the um the, like the PS Three was just absolutely chock full of uh, very important indie games. Mm-hmm. Very, very important indie games that I downloaded and tried for the first time on the PS3. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, goodness me, uh, Journey yeah. was a PS3 um, exclusive, and I'm sure it was it's beloved enough, and I know it has been ported to PS4 and probably will be to PS5 because that's one of those games that, to be honest, is an event. It's like theatre. Mm-hmm. If no one's playing Journey, then... It's not the same game. It but, doesn't work, yeah. Um, there well, are. I think that, that, that's a really good point, and that actually kind of leads me onto what my kind of my kind of thoughts are on on, on this. Actually, kind of talking about it as theatre. So, I am a kind of you know a theatre background, and when when you when I, I I've written about and actually studied about kind of theatre's preservation um, for, for for a long while. Don't get me started on all this, um, but but. Um, there's a certain aspect, and there's definitely an aspect of of urban theatre, particularly that you had to be there, right? You know, mm, you, you have you yes. to to really understand this thing. Journey's a great example of that. You know, Journey was magical. Like it might not be as magical now. I mean, if you go into it totally blind and you're with someone else who is going into it totally blind, fantastic. It's you know the game's going to be great. But if you've know of Journey or know how Journey works or know what Journey's about. Um, or you join with someone else that might know what it's about. It probably doesn't have the kind of same magical feeling, the- theatrical mm. feeling that you got from when that game first came out and it was a bit of an unknown quantity, right? Um, and mm. that's why people still talk about Journey. It was that kind of initial kind of you know game. The game is fantastic, but that magical moment, that magic ephemeral moment, that was um, that 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 was what Journey that was what Journey is about. So when we're telling the story of Journey, as historians, and you know, I kind of, I, I, I'm not necessarily a historian, but I work in a history organisation. Um, but as we're telling the, the the history of Journey, how actually important is it to play it? Because if we play it now, particularly in like an art gallery situation or a museum kind of situation, you won't get that magic. You won't get that effect. If you play it in a hundred years' time on an emulator, that yeah, everything's all hooked up online, so maybe you could play it with someone, but. What is the chance of you actually getting that 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 moment, right? So is so how how important mm. is preserving the playable bit, the the be there bit, and how important mm. is actually just telling the story around it? Because that stuff we can still do quite easily. Um, yeah, I mean, like the, I, I suppose in many ways there is the um, there's the World of Warcraft classic effect, right? There's this, there's the sort of uh, let's mm. hold an event, another event mm. that lets you feel like this is happening. Um, Journey would be, honestly, I would be, if if, if, if at any point, right, Journey goes out of print and you can't do it anymore, it's not on mm-hmm. a live service anymore, I will, you will hear no end of me tugging your ear, Connor, <laughs> to have an event where 100 people are in a hall with PCs with emulators on them mm-hmm. that are playing Journey and you are all on the same network and you don't know who in this hall you're playing with and it could be anyone and you're just exploring the game together. Like that is the only way you can really, you can really sort of um, uh, experience that again. That is the, that is the theater. 
theater is literally like that right like it's there is a there is a, a, we don't know exactly how shakespeare's plays were performed we are only just piecing together the cadences of uh like old old and middle english uh, into the into the way the accents play into it right certain uh, passages make no sense we've had to kind of contort our, our language into the way that that Shakespeare's written, except when we analyze the way that we think accents were back then, suddenly it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, th- there's like a, a, a level of context that um, I think is, is really important. And if you can recreate it, suddenly you have this magic window into the past. And I think it's maybe more an, a, a more effective window into the past if you can recreate it, but that's very high effort and very high energy. <laughs> yeah, um, I think, I think you're. I think you're really kind of onto something there. I really, I really kind of like that. Um, the recreating it, like I think, and you talk talk about kind of you know recreating it, and it, or recreating it in a sense to emulate the context of the past, right? Um, I, I, what I'd what I'd argue, suppose, and particularly using the kind of Shakespeare example, is that perhaps it emulates the context of the present more. Because you're right, we don't know what kind of the cadences were of Middle England or what kind of what Shakespeare might have looked like. We've got some images and some kind of you know people talking about it. Um, but the way we do Shakespeare now, uh, when you go to the theatre and watch a contemporary performance of Shakespeare, probably actually says more about what theatre is like in 2021 than it did in when was Shakespeare around? I don't know. I, I study theatre. I don't even know. Thirty. <laughs> yeah, I I'm, I've uh, always been terrible with numbers. Yeah. So I, I, I'm... <laughs> But, this is a classic. Uh, long, long-term listeners to the show will uh, will know that that Matt literally never has any specific facts to back up any of his ideas; just stories. <laughs> but uh, but but yeah, but that, I think that's 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 a really good point, and I, I don't know. I've not really fully unpacked it myself because I think I could go on, could go down that rabbit hole for a long time. Um, but but. Hey, I suppose my kind of my, my kind of final point on video game preservation, um, because Matt, we've got a big board game section that we want to come on to you, um, the return of Matt's board game academy. Um, but my kind of final thoughts are is that I'm sure people probably had this conversation with the kind of the, the, the Wii store when the Wii store closed. Um, that was a kind of similar situation. Um, but also going back to you know older kind of and you know non online consoles uh, with games kind of not being able to be found anymore. And the best part about that, that that conversation is that don't worry, all those games still exist. They are playable somehow. Just go to the dodgy sites. You know the ones. Go to the scary sites. Somebody's probably saved it on their hard drive somewhere. Um, not endorsing it, of course, but um, if you're worried about that game being never being playable ever, ever again, um, I'm sure somebody's got a full kind of ROM of PlayStation 3 games or PlayStation Vita games, or PlayStation Vita games. And God, um, and God bless those people, honestly. Like, <laughs> the, like people who are able to keep, and not everyone can, people who can, can keep artifacts of the past, whether it be in an official capacity in a museum or just in your house, um, are... Are wonderful. Like you could not everyone can afford to or has the stable life to do that sort of thing, but being able to bring out artifacts of the past and and, and make them accessible, it is it is a beautiful thing. Like if you want to see, and I bring this up all the time, but I've got Robotnik staring at me, so I've got to bring it up. Um 
if you want to see a really good example of how context elevates the artifacts of the past, um, the podcast, Sonic the Comic, the podcast that <laughs> a friend of the show, Dave Bulber, does, um, they, it's not just a podcast about a, an obscure comic from the 90s that most people in the UK might have read one or two copies of in their life, um, if, if you're a child in the 90s. It is a an exploration of the culture of the '90s and what kids were into and what the what the what the symbology of the cool and the uh, the interesting and the fun and the attractive and what popped and what was what was new. All of that is explored around it, so that you can understand why Sonic is such is so mean. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. If you look at pictures from that comic, Sonic is an absolute horrible dick, <laughs> terrible person. He is a dick. <laughs> like, he is a dick. Um, he's he's really mean to Tails. Um, and that's not something you expect of a mascot of a massive game franchise. Yeah. But that was the coding of someone who was cool in the 90s. And, and context is what brings you that. If you only share, and you do, you see that quite quite often, is that you see people sharing panels of Sonic just being horrible. And uh, that's kind of like on its own. It's like, why? What, what's going on with this weird thing? I don't understand it. But actually within context, in this you know slightly edgy for what is 90s culture where Mr. Blob is wandering around, um, like that... That's different. It's it, there's there's a, there's a different context to it, and it all kind of makes sense. Um, would you would you recommend going back and reading Sonic the Comic then, or just listening to Sonic the Comic the podcast? I would recommend doing both. I would recommend um, reading along with it personally. But uh, if you don't have if 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 podcasts are only an audio medium for you, and you just do other things with it, then just listen to the podcast. It does it does work itself. But um, uh, the, um, the the reading along with it is great fun as well. Right, let's go on to this segment um, that is going to become a recurring thing because there is a lot to learn. If last mm. time we were on 101, this is 102, or is it just a different? It's just a different strand. It's a different. It's a different module of the board game yeah. academy. Yeah. Am I right? It's, it is, this is not. This is not a kind of foundational build up. Uh, you don't go up. You don't go up ladders and rungs in this. Yep. We're building a slow foundation, a wide foundation of of tools for you to use in the board game academy here. Um, do we have Do we have a jingle gosh. for the board game academy? We don't have a jingle yet. We don't really have a, a jingle for a board game academy. Um, I wish I wish that I knew what I would even put to that. But you know, board games don't often have like sounds. <laughs> can, can I do so... that? What's the? What's the? What is? It, can I just type in something into Google and then get it to speak it back to me? How do I do that? That's. Um, that's... Yeah, I don't know. I used to use the last time I did that. It was like te- it's text to speech, isn't it? You know, yeah, yeah, text to speech. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm just, I'm just gonna get. I need, I need the jingle. So, <laughs> um, this is. <laughs> um, oh wait, there's oh there's one from from cloud.google.com. I don't want to have to. Do I have to download it? Free trial? No, I don't want a free trial. Come on, I don't want a free one. Naturalreviews.com. <laughs> just one, just one, go on. I just want, I just want, like, somebody have a quick open app. Oh, what? I have to download it again? Oh, we, oh uh, no, we're going to have to fake it. I'll do it in post. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, fine. it's fine. It's fine, it's fine. 
Um, we'll do it in post, like I assume the intro to this podcast is going to be. Um, yeah. <laughs> Forgot about the intro. Oops. <laughs> um, but yeah, go on. The um, the this week, continuing our foundational learning, we're going to start talking about deck builders um, because uh, deck builders are just one of the many uh, kind of. What I would describe as the archetypal sort of uh, central mechanics to board games that you can uh, that you'll come across, you're likely to come across um, if you walk into, like, say, the Treehouse Board Game Cafe when where everything opens up um, and you see a wall of games and you do not know how to access them and you feel kind of overwhelmed. Well, knowing a few of these little uh, just just archetypes, I suppose. Um, I hesitate, and what you'll what you'll learn here is that. Um, Board games don't really do, they do do genres, but they don't do genres like video games do. They don't, they don't kind of stick to them rigidly. They cross pollinate and they sort of swim uh, through each other and, 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 and blend different um, mechanics together um, into like a, uh, in, in, to, to just try and kind of fit their theme or what have you. So deck building is um, a, a kind of, I mean, they've been around for the entire the entire renaissance of new uh, board games. They are um, uh, a big pillar of um, the kind of board game renaissance. Um, and Do you, a deck builder. So, yeah, is it, so a deck builder is something though the where you collect a lot of different cards that um, give you different kind of options in approaching the game or in engaging with the game, um, which seems kind yeah. of like kind of role playing game like. Right, something like Dungeons and Dragons, but also like your video game role playing games where you unlock new abilities, etc. Sure, yeah, like there, there's a there's a kind of so I suppose the, the it's it's usually a game where you are trying to you have this deck and the deck is full of cards that have will give you resources or powers or allow you to do an action in the game to affect something central, right? Mm -hmm. uh, whether that's to gain resources or to move something around or to um, to uh, mess with your with your opponents, whatever it is, those cards will be the, the key to do something like that, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's very similar to um, uh, something like a trading card game or a collectible card game like um, uh, Hearthstone or uh, Magic the Gathering or Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, that people might be more familiar with. Um, but uh, there, are, there are some key differences, I would say. Um, but the... Um, so, yeah, you are essentially trying to race your opponents to create a deck full of powerful and interesting cards that will work together to... Uh, kind of get to a goal, one hand at a time. So, for instance, uh, a player will draw a hand of cards from their your little. You get a starting. You'll get a starting deck each turn, right? And that will be the same as your opponent's, right? It will be a basic um, deck of cards that has just like gain one gold on it sometimes, or move one square, or whatever, it, whatever it is. Do one damage. Exactly. Um, and then you will. Um, and some of those cards. Will, you will be able to use to buy even better cards from a central store. Um, uh, and in this way, you can get into play with our, with last uh, episode's topic of drafting. So it, mm. the store at the center of the table, if it changes and that sort of thing, then it could be uh, a drafting game. But either way, those cards that you buy will eventually get shuffled into your deck again. 
when you run out of cards in your deck, you're, they'll get shuffled into your uh, back into your um, your regular deck, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so the next time you draw them, you'll have better stuff uh, that, than the basic card deck that you started with. Mm-hmm. And then those resources that those new new cards have things can buy you even better cards. And therein sort of lies the the the, the core loop of a deck builder. So you get- you're hoping to draw all your best cards making your deck better, 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 better in the future. Um, you're kind of pulling the slot machine into a kind of competitive strategy sort of uh, way. Yeah, and it seems like, so the more cards you get, the more randomness is brought in, right? Because you get, well, there's there's a less of a chance to draw the card that you know is in your deck somewhere. So for the start, you might have a one in five chance because there's only five cards, but later on, it's a one in 15 chance because there are now 15 cards. Exactly, and those those starting cards are going to be some of the worst cards in the game, right? Because you all start with them. So the less chance you have to draw your worst cards, the more chance you have to, to draw your your best cards. Hmm. Um, and so you're kind of hoping to build those into a one hand at a time. You'll maybe draw five cards and it's like, okay, well, I've got two of my rubbish cards, but actually this new card lets me draw two more cards, which means I've got even more resources to go out the next, the next turn with. Um, so... Let's talk about, because I'm sure when I said deck builders, a lot of people started thinking about trading card games, mm. Pokemon cards, Yu-Gi-Oh!, Magic Gathering, Hearthstone. Those are known as, currently, they are known as TCGs or CCGs, which are trading card games or collectible card games. The reason for that is that those are um, uh, games in which your cards, that you, the cards that you own, not the cards that you kind of buy in a kind of game context, but the cards that you own personally as a human being mm-hmm. uh, and have bought with <laughs> with money, um, they define your deck, right? Mm-hmm. The, the cards that you physically own define your deck or digitally own. Um, the structure of that deck defines your strategy and therefore your odds of winning. Uh, and the availability of the cards is based on your ability to buy more cards, if that makes any sense. So um, it's not about you having magic in-game currency the, the inside the game is spent. It's not a game mechanic. It is a financial mechanic. It's uh, a win in, bullshit. In <laughs> well, the best the best TCGs and CCGs uh, manage to give you a fighting chance, even if you have you've got the most basic deck. Yeah. Um, but yes, there is an aspect of you have more options, and therefore you have more um uh, more chance if you have p- uh, paid more money yeah does so that, does that lead deck- to like something like so I'm, I'm maybe going like way too far ahead now but like you know a lot of the time there is an incentive to buy the next new card right so there's a level of mm-hmm. i think the term for it is power creep so the new yes. cards the new pokemon right we all love the first 150 but number 827 is going to just like rip pikachu a new one because yes. everyone they want people <laughs> to want to get the new pokemon and not bother with Pikachu anymore. Um, uh, but the, uh, to be fair, actually, I'm just thinking of a, 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 an exception to that rule. Is isn't the best Magic: The Gathering card like from the first ever set? The, is it the Black yes. Lotus? Yeah, there's all sorts of things they do to try and um, uh, offset that. So Magic: The Gathering, my goodness, there is a huge, there is academic paper after academic paper to be written and has been written <laughs> about the design of Magic: The Gathering. Um, I would recommend you go over to somewhere like Melvin MTG on YouTube. Um, does really interesting like edge case design, um, uh, uh, design and sort of strategy. Uh, not not strategy, sorry, like design oddities that come out of just how big the design of um, 
of Magic the Gathering is. Um, but essentially, every single one of them has this weird thing where they'll basically, um, they will say, okay, actually, in these competitions, only the latest few sets of, get, of cards we released are, are, are allowed, right? Wow. So we can control the balance of the game, right? Mm -hmm. So there are plenty of games, game types that you can do that is like, uh, that, that use every card that's ever been made, mm -hmm. but that's an impossible design puzzle to do. Mm -hmm. If you are, if you're balancing for every card that's ever, every edge case and every little tiny little moving part um, in the game. So they say, if you're doing a, this kind of competition, it will be standard, which will, which will mean that, you know, these cards are the current standard of game that we expect so, so they tend to grandfather out older cards yeah in interesting so okay then so going back to our game preservation chat that we had earlier then and we're going probably way off topic and i'm, I'm ruining your deck builders academy talk <laughs> that's okay um is, are there any examples of kind of these tcgs uh reissuing like the initial kind of versions and like facilitating games tournaments play around like as a throwback kind of thing or is because magic the gathering i imagine in 2021 is a wildly different game to 1995 or whenever it was 1995 1993 somewhere around then um it's a wildly different game to then so but i, and I also imagine finding those original sets of magic the gathering cards or pokemon cards are incredible is incredibly difficult um and probably incredibly expensive uh, in fact if you look at og charizard cards now they're going for you know six seven figures right Yes, uh, I mean, like all of them have that that thing where the older cards are rarer by by definition of things getting put in attics and lost and all that sort of thing, um, and 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 just fewer of them being bought back then, of course. Um, what they tend to do is um, those old ones that have the legend to them. Sometimes they will reprint them, mm -hmm. uh, but they will reprint them in a. Um, I can only really, in this case, speak for Magic the Gathering, but what they do is they make an addition. So they'll have these sets that come out, and it'll be like, this set is based in this metal robot planet, mm. uh, and and it's sort of this dimension that it's all about metal and robots and things. And this one is all about spirits and oozes and whatever, and this one's a giant city, all that kind of thing. And then they'll have eighth edition mm -hmm. of... Magic the Gathering, right? And that will be a kind of best of. They will pull cards from everywhere, everyone's favorite cards, reissue them, maybe rebalance them a little bit, and um, they will put them into one big standard edition with new art, of, often new flavor text and all that kind of thing, so that you can get a blast from the past. You can get, and it kind of standardizes it all, and it's kind of sets it all into, into one big block. So they're kind of like... If you imagine it being a, uh, you know, they're making a sculpture, um, they're kind of like sanding off the edges with these with these additions that, that come out. Um, but none of that, um, in fact, well, that that process, you know, that that acquisition of cards and the fact that you have to buy more cards and all that, that to uh, a fella in in kind of mid the mid noughties called uh, Donald X Vaccarino, um, wasn't the fun of the game. Mm -hmm. um, in fact. The fun of the game was when you have everything at your fingertips to acquire. The game becomes kind of almost stale, right? It becomes a there, com there comes a meta game, and there's a meta meta game, and then there's a meta 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 game. Um, but um, there is a joy in the acquisition, you know, only having what you can get and only having what you can afford and all that kind of thing. So, what Vaccarino did was gamify the whole damn thing. 
Um, he made in, I think, 2007 was when it was released internationally, was um, a game called Dominion. Mm-hmm. Now, Dominion is what uh, many would describe as, uh, and I think that's the next picture, Connor. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, Dominion is, mm, keep going. Oh. It's the one with lots of lots of boxes stacked on top of each other. There we go. Dominion is um, the uh, what uh, many would describe as the grandfather of um, uh, of, of the modern deck builder. Okay, mm-hmm. um, the, and as you can see, it's got a billion, 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 billion expansions mm-hmm. um, because it is this very, very satisfying core concept that we talk, talked about earlier. Right, the idea being that you start with a hand that's basically just got. A card that says one coin and then another card that says one coin and you just keep drawing and you draw up to five cards and they all say like one coin and that means you've got five coins to play with this turn and you can't hold them you can't keep them you have to spend as much as you can this turn to add from a market your uh, a card into your discard pile right the cards that you've used and then once you run out of cards you mix the whole everything that you've bought back into your deck and you start again. Um, and uh, so you kind of start with a handful of like money and some victory point cards and things like that. And those victory point cards will be, will be the thing that will make you win in the end, right? Mm-hmm. Um, except those victory point cards don't do anything. They're just kind of junk for now. Until the end of the game, those are literally useless, mm-hmm. but you need them, right? So each turn, you can buy one new car from the store with the money that you have in your hand. And the new cards don't just have coins on or don't just have things like that. They will actually have um, the ability to draw more cards, buy more cards, mess with other players, even trash cards from your deck permanently. Because by the third or fourth turn, you might have the kind of cards in your deck that means that you start looking at those one coin cards and going, that's rubbish. Mm-hmm. You know, almost all the other cards that I've bought have give me two or three or four. And I've done, and, and these these one coin cards are stopping me from getting um, getting the win. So um, or stopping me from drawing these better cards. So you might start trashing them. But yeah. of course, you know, if you get too carried away with that and um, uh, and start like trashing victory point cards, you might find that by the time that someone else is absolutely ramming the end of the game because you can control when the end of the game comes by buying all of the victory points. Uh, point cards right Mm -hmm. if the pile of victory point cards runs out because people have bought all of them um the game ends Mm -hmm. so you can be like making this perfect machine this deck that provides you like oh man i've got i'm drawing two cards and then i got three coins and i draw two more cards and i've got three more coins and if you can't just get victory point cards you actually you'll end up losing because someone else is actually focused on the the point it's, it's of the a game, as it were. It's always a Except. balance. You want to build a good deck, you want to make sure you've got enough victory points to, 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 it's, to win the game. And that is and that is like something that it will burn hot inside the core of every board game player, which is to say, um, the draw to make a perfect machine. To to kind of play to plan out your strategy to kind of like to play the game to achieve a specific goal. Many people will will tell you that they don't play to win board games. They play to be the person with the most sheep or the highest faith, so that they can have the little um, they can have the little I don't know pope hat that comes when you've got the highest faith or whatever. Um, lots of people make their own goals when you play uh, board games, much to the chagrin of game designers who try and make it as balanced as possible um to uh to make you you able to win um but yeah let's talk about clank which is this next one um so uh, i'm just going to go through basically a few a few different kinds of uh, deck builder because 
deck builder, as I say, not a genre. It's a a, a, a mechanic that informs design. And um, in this case, Clank is a dungeon delving deck builder. Okay, um, so if that doesn't like the the kind of dungeon delving aspect is a far cry from um, Dominion's kind of almost dry get more money, yeah, buy more things, monopoly sort of just, and monop- yeah, that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, this this is a game that includes a lot of push your luck mechanics, a lot of kind of um, which is something I, I'm sure I'll talk about one day. But it's like the idea of like I could double my money here or I could get nothing. I could die. I could lose completely. Um, and uh, that risk is what plays into this in, 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 in this case, because what you're going to be doing is you're going to be moving through a dungeon, delving further underground um, in, whilst using the same mechanics as a deck builder. So instead of just coins and, and stuff like that, you will actually be getting, um, uh, you'll be getting money to buy, uh, to buy a, uh, Cards, sure, but you'll also have the like footprints which allow you to move through the dungeon, right? They're like move actions to get to allow you to move from from room to room, um, or swords to kill monsters, right? Which can ga- gain you money or can um, actually earn your way through various passages that you couldn't get through otherwise. Um, you're trying to tre- uh, collect treasure, and you're trying to do so before the dragon wakes up, okay? Um, there's a dragon in the, in the bottom of this dungeon. And you left that is... until a bit late, Matt. Like, well, <laughs> oh, uh, you by know. the way, if the dragon wakes up, you're dead. Sorry. Like, <laughs> this is like, we're like five turns in at the moment and I'm like, I'm taking my time. <laughs> um, you know, oh, oh, no worries. I've got no time limits on this. Then you're like, oh, by the way, I'm really sorry. The dragon's just woken up. Everyone's dead except me. I win. That's it. <laughs> oh, you're the well, guy the dragon... sat there with the instructions, just holding, holding vital information. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the dragon is the guy on the left hand side that little black uh, that little black piece um that is um the the reason it's called clank is because of that tracker at the bottom this little row mm-hmm. um what's great is that some of the things you can do including killing monsters just stumbling around there are certain cards in your in your deck at the start which can make you make noise in the dungeon right because the dragon's asleep um the more noise you make, the more of your colored cubes, the more um, uh, the kind of more of your noise goes into this bag, right? Which is the dragon's bag, okay? The more of your cubes that go into that bag, the more likely it is that when at the end of the turn, when you draw um, cubes from that bag, that they will be your cubes and the dragon will be attacking you. So the more noise you make, the more likely it is that dra- that dragon's coming after you and you end up with these and it'll do damage and you slowly, you'll you'll find yourself dying because you're stuck in the bottom of the dungeon trying to get the best loot and you, you're, you're like, oh no now the dragon's really really, really angry rather than just quite angry <laughs> and um, and is uh, is going and I'm, there's no way I'm getting out of here on time. Whereas the person who just went like three moves into the uh, into the dungeon and went, ah, oh, this this treasure will do. It's fine and got out is going to win because they <laughs> they actually got out alive. It sounds um, like just like the previous game, Matt. It's an act of balance. You need to find your balance. <laughs> you need to. You don't want to be too risky. You want to be risky enough. As 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 exactly. with the previous game, you got to remember you ain't playing the cards. You're playing the people opposite you. That's, that's true. That's, yeah, that's, true. My, that's my tip for board game mechanics. <laughs> yeah, no, that you, you're damn right. You're damn right, actually. The Because uh, 
the dragon gets angry. In this case, the dragon gets angry when the first person gets out of the dungeon with loot. So if you can sort of like, someone's going for that really good one and they put themselves behind a locked door and they've like been trapped down in the depths and you're like, well, bye. Um, and <laughs> just leave them behind. It's great fun. Um, so the the next game is a, a full innovation on the deck builder because you won't really see a deck here. Um, there are no decks here. In fact, this is a brand new innovation. It's a bag builder. Um, instead of uh, instead of building up a deck, this I mean, God, how appealing does this game look? Sorry, I, Just, I, I, you know what? I love building bags. It's it's it's, <laughs> it's one of my favorite hobbies outside of games. <laughs> so um, this this game has loads of little tactile tokens, and, and I love it. And the idea is you are build you're you're mixing potions. Um, you're creating potions with the ingredients, those little white tokens and and uh, uh, little colored tokens in the center, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and those books that you can see in the middle are like recipes. They're like little, the, the kind of, mm -hmm. uh, not quite recipes, but um, descriptions of the ingredients that you can put into your, into your bag, right? Mm -hmm. So at the start, you've got a bag full, which is, you know, a, a, your ingredients bag is full of volatile white tokens that will explode if you go over a certain value. If you think like, think kind of blackjack, right? Mm -hmm. You can decide to pull one more out, but if it's one of the like high value uh, volatile tokens, you're going to go bust. You're going to have to stop. Um, and you've, and you've kind of, you, you've, bottomed out right but if you um if you manage to uh rein yourself in not pushing your luck too much and stop before you before it explodes you get some uh, money to buy new ingredients right and like i said only those white tokens are volatile so the more ingredients you can put into your bag the more chance there is that you'll draw out something that isn't explosive and therefore you'll get more and more stuff into your potion you'll get more and more value you'll get uh, and therefore we'll have more money to spend, right? There's a level of, what's the word? Balance. Eh? <laughs> yes, absolutely. No. Um, but every single time you're, you're like, I know I've put this really expensive token in there. I know it's still in there. And I'm one point away from my potion exploding. Um, but if I, right, there's, there's like four pieces in there, I'm pretty sure. Um, because... At no point you are allowed to look in your bag and count the actual odds of you getting the thing. Mm -hmm. You're just like, I'm pretty sure three turns ago I bought this thing and it's in there and I haven't seen it yet. I'm sure it's in there. Um, so you're constantly like pushing your luck going, ah, oh, come on. There's no chance. There's only like three white pieces in there. There's no chance that that comes out. There's loads of colored ones. And uh, yeah, as always, you will always uh, end up exploding and um and dying but the thrill is what it's all about i must admit this, um, this this game scares me slightly because and particularly this picture of this game that we've got up on on the screen right now um because there are a lot of pieces and a lot of really small pieces that one will choke a small child and two will get <laughs> stuck will get stuck underneath your sofa or your desk and just gone they'll just disappear and the picture <laughs> the picture just has them splayed out on the table like have little pots yeah. come on if you're, if you're gonna do this you're like animals? <laughs> yeah, right. Have a have a pot. Have something. Like, I mean, look. I, I know they're expensive, or but surely you've got like a little bowl or a cup. Put them in a mug. <laughs> just get a load of mug. Everyone yeah. has loads of mugs. They just save yeah, save the pieces. You can buy buy stacks of like hundreds of plastic pots to put these in for yeah. for like five pounds. It worries me. Anyway, um, yeah, no, you're right. You are right, mm. but um, 
the game isn't the game itself isn't particularly overwhelming all you have to be aware of is like that you have a bag full of stuff and then you're you're slowly one by one um pulling them out until you are ready to stop mm-hmm. uh, and putting them onto that like mat in front of you which kind of spirals outwards showing you the amount of points you're about to get mm. um and uh, then you know, like you can use that that those points that you to to buy new stuff. It's great. Um, it's a really really satisfying gameplay loop. I know that we like talking about gameplay loops in uh, on the show, mm-hmm. um, but uh, it is you know like there's a shared commiseration as you look across the table to someone who also knows that there's a brilliant token in that in that bag, but they are also on the threshold of exploding, and you both sort of decide to sort of like go should we one more should we go one more and you go yeah all right and you both hold your hands out and you go okay all right three two one and then like both of you explode and it's the end of the world um and you know <laughs> but yeah it's, it's it's great fun anyway um the final one i want to talk about is the quest for el dorado um this is a race um and oh, there's cool. uh there's it is a uh it is a slightly more i would say kind of dynamic game this one um, slightly more, fam- I suppose, familiar to people who play um, the more traditional board games, right? The kind of roller moves, um, snakes and ladders, or, or what have you, mm-hmm. where, they, where there's an end goal and you've just got to get your pieces there, right? Well, in this case, the, um, the deck building uh, thing serves to replace what you might think of as like the dice. Instead of trying to roll a six to get past... A, uh, a a big dense patch of jungle. Mm-hmm. You're using cards uh, with machetes on them, or or a, a jungle guide, or or a boat um, to get across a lake. So, for instance, you're trying to use you know your machete cards to to go through the jungle, hiring boats to cross lakes or rivers, or uh, using just straight up money to uh, trade with the locals and negotiate negotiate your way through their lands. Um, so each and every hex hexagon that you want to move on onto is going to pose another um, kind of is something you have to play another card for. So you draw your hand and it might have like, I've got three machetes and two oars in this hand now. And, um, but there's no water in sight. So then I have to go like, okay, well, I guess I'll, you know, MacGyver it together, right? You get the big (laughs) oar, right? You get a, uh, you know, you put the machetes on the side, you spin it like in your hands like that. <laughs> helicopter, right? Skip a few tiles. That's all I'm saying. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, you can actually do that. You can use two oars to make a machete um, or to place a machete. But um, you can you're basically trying to push your way through. Of course, everyone else is trying to do the same. So they are like if they've got a better hand than you, if they've got a more efficient hand than you, they are they're pulling ahead. The best part about this is that you can see how that that. Um, uh, that uh, kind of map in front of you kind of goes in and out and it kind of like you can have all different maps where it turns and there's hairpins and there's uh, mountains that are impassable and cause bottlenecks and things like that. Well, that's because you can get in each other's way. You can't move onto a square that someone else is on. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing more satisfying than taking the inside path around a corner and then like through an easy bit of jungle and then just running out of steam and you've run out of, of, of hand. So you just stop there. And you have, and you get to watch everyone else go like fuming as they go the long way around, um, having to like take 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 like five more turns to go go around this one little bit that's taken you one, but you just happen to put set up camp halfway through the, the middle of a mountain pass. I must admit, um, that's this sound. This game sounds ace. Um, is it? Do you, do you have a copy at Treehouse? 
We do have a copy of Crackdown. In fact, we have a copy of every single one of these games that I've discussed today um, in in the uh, Treehouse. So um, yeah, well worth well worth trying all of them. Um, I think the we and we can we can place... actually book a Treehouse, right? I seem to remember we can book our. Yeah, yeah, you can you can you oh. can book a session ahead now oh, for when we're open. In fact, did I do it? Um, I may have already booked one. I can't remember. <laughs> I don't know. I've forgotten. Uh, I've booked in. I've already booked in to go to the pub on <laughs> in April. Uh, so I'm thinking I might have booked in to go to Treehouse as well, but I, I can't actually remember. Um, I'll need to do that. Um, but yeah. Anyway, sorry. I I thoroughly recommend like just focusing or you know just trying out one of these and seeing if if that's your vibe. You know, like seeing if this um, central mechanic, despite it being applied to all these different kinds of games, mm. um, just seeing if, if it like floats your boat, right? Like if it floats your canoe and machete down, <laughs> down the river. Um, cause there are so many different mechanics in games and you might find that one of them really switches you off or one of them it, you can play any game as long as it involves that one. Mm. Um, there's, there's, there's so many different aspects to it that I think it's, really really nice to get into one of the like one of the kind of entry level versions of it like um uh harry potter hogwarts um battle i think it's called Mm -hmm. um is a deck building game i haven't mentioned it on here we've got it at the treehouse um it's it's a it's quite a nice introduction to it into the deck building uh thing there's there's the same thing of buying stuff for from from the store to increase your abilities and you just sort of fight there's there's it's not the deepest thing in the world but you're kind of fighting off you know the bad guys from harry potter and all that kind of thing um yeah. uh, and that's that's a really entry level one uh entry level game but actually none of these once you have that that, that core concept um once you have the core concept of oh I've run out of cards in my deck, that means I shuffle every card that I had in my you know in my discard pile and all, every card that I'd used back into the deck and start again. Um, as long as you have that in your brain, you're actually you you can you can play any single one of these games, mm-hmm. and and they get they can get crazy complicated. Don't get me wrong. Um, Mage Knight is a game I played uh, back before lockdown one, which is a whole like RPG where you're like creating these ridiculously complicated magic magic spell systems of like you gain three blue mana and lose two red mana and then you you uh, sacrifice two two life points to cast a magic spell and it's like bonkers. That sounds. Complex. But you don't have to go, you don't have to go anywhere near that kind of thing. Um, it's it's kind of like one of those really really nice. Yeah. Uh, Nice on ramps, I think. Well, I, I think what I what I found is that when I've tried playing deck builders in in kind of uh, analog ways and like actually having the cards, I really do like. There's a satisfaction in having a card, particularly in like the, the trading card games when you pay fifty p for a single piece of card. Um, you know, that's <laughs> that. That is satisfying having that. But actually, I think some of that kind of complication, that some of that some of that thinking, just doesn't work for me when I'm playing something analog. Um, but I have found that digital deck building games like Slay the Spire, Monster Train, and um, also like the Yu-Gi-Oh um, uh, digital games, right? Oh, they suck me in. So um, yeah. it's, it's 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 a mechanic that I think I've just. But but with that being said, I'm saying mechanic doesn't work with me analog. But actually, I've not seen any of these games before that you've just showed, and stuff like the ro- uh, uh, Race to El Dorado um, sounds awesome and kind of right up my street, and sounds fast paced enough um, that might actually kind of really, 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 really suit the bill. Um, so yeah, yeah, 
honestly, like if you if you like if you've seen something like Slay the Spire played, and if you haven't tried that, it's a great game. Um, but that, like available on Steam and all that kind of thing. If you've seen something like Slay the Spire played, and you're like, I really love this core loop of like when I defeat a monster, I get a new card to add to my deck, and it makes me more powerful for the next fight. Um, that is what these games are. That is the satisfaction you'll get with these games. You feel like you've earned every card in your deck and you even start considering getting rid of the crap ones that are already part of it and you start thinking about all those kind of strategies. Um, that is that is the joy of this and uh, I, I can't recommend it enough. It's a great little, great little mechanic. Awesome. Ace, right, well, let's, uh, it's 20 past eight, so let's let's finish up. Let's go have a, have a, have a chilled out Good Friday and I uh, hope everyone yeah. has a good four-day weekend. Um, it's, yes. It's, uh, if 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 you are able to get Monday off of work or not doing anything at work, great. Um, mm. Enjoy it. Um, I will be. I'm actually not coming back to work till Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've um, got another like month, so you know. <laughs> and and actually, uh, when you do go back to oh oh, dog girl Gina says, oh, they've got a puppy to play with. Oh, very exciting. Have a very good weekend. Um, I'm very jealous. Um, that's definitely a better weekend than I was going to have as well. Um, so. Um, but uh, when you do go back to work, Matt, where can people find you? Well, you can find me at the Treehouse Board Game Cafe. In fact, I want to make sure that everyone knows about one big thing before we go that I completely forgot to uh, to mention. Mm-hmm. Um, on the next, it's you've got a little while yet, but um, uh, it's later this month, in a couple of weeks, uh, on Saturday, seventeenth of April, mm-hmm. um, we are running our fourth big charity event which is called uh, the big game the tree has big game swap um mm. it is uh if you have got some board games in your house that you have played to death over lockdown or you are just like i'm never gonna play that again um and you want to help out um uh, some charity then you can bring them down to the treehouse um to uh, you can kind of deposit them uh, and basically put them up for sale for charity at the treehouse. There's going to be a big event of like when, once we open back as a shop again, um, they'll all be um, they'll all be on display, and you can come down. You can have a look at all the, everyone else's games that you know um, uh, that maybe they've finished playing because they've you know gotten gotten to the bottom of them and they feel that like they've they've kind of played them as many times as they will. And you can pick them up for an absolute pittance and help charity at the same time. So, um, yeah, uh, what, I, what I want you to do is um, if you, uh, on the in the weeks before the big game swap, um, come down to the treehouse with your games. Uh, we're open uh, for the click and collect window, which is Wednesday 4 till 7 p.m. and Saturday at 12 till 5 p.m. Um, uh, if, you, uh, if you donate a game, you get a, uh, you get free entry to the game swap to to the actual you know shop bit um, on the day on the actual day of the seventeenth you can come down and just um, you pay a um, an entry fee of three pounds and then you can basically do a minimum donation per game of three quid so it you can just sort of like wander around and get games for an absolute pittance and um, and just see. Uh, see it. what you what you can find. So if I take my games and take them down to Treehouse tomorrow, uh, tomorrow between twelve and five, then I just drop like ten of them off, and then I'll get free entry when I come back in the seventeenth, and then take exactly. down a game, splashing out. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, other than that, you can find me all over the internet at Matt Speaks Words. Uh, you can listen to my uh, movie pitching podcast, which is called Life's a Pitch Podcast, which is the best. 
Um, the podcast where we pitch the best movies that will never get made. You can find us at Life to Pitch Show on Twitter, and you can just uh, find us on SoundCloud at uh, SoundCloud.com forward slash Life to Pitch Show. I, I, no, I like yeah, to before you corrected right. no, yourself. You were going to say yeah, you were going to say we are the best podcast, and then you were like, "Oh, <laughs> we no, are, we pitch the best movies." I'm like, no, 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 we do. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just, just commit, commit. I like it. Um, um, yeah, but we you, you find us on uh, it's, it's life's a pitch podcast um, and life's a pitch show on Twitter. Give us your titles for movies that you want us to make, and we will make them. You not know, like make them, make them, but we'll pitch the, the story and all that kind of thing. Uh, and yeah, just do all that kind of thing. Awesome. Fantastic. And with me, you can find me on Twitter at Chronicleon and anything to do with the National Video Game Museum. Do go pick up our free packs from uh, Extra Life Gaming Lounge. Um, uh, otherwise, the museum might be looking a little bit quiet over the past, uh, over the next few weeks. Um, but that's just because we're gearing up for reopening in May and that'll be announced soon. You can buy tickets. Uh, maybe people will, maybe people won't. Well, we shall see. Uh, otherwise, um, see everybody later. Bye bye. 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 Bye.